0: This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 6, Episode 17. Welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network of podcasts, brought to you by Mountain Man Medical. Today is Thursday, June 23rd, 2022, and I'm your host, Matthew Marister. And I'm joined today by Rob Beckman. What's up, man? Hey, we're having a great day today. Great day. Yep. Great news for Second Amendment stuff and gun rights and all that. Um, If you're a fan of Riley T. Bowman, you're going to have to go without him today. Uh, He's busy doing Riley stuff. So it's Rob and I, um, two guys from Ohio. We're just going to chat about some gun stuff, bring you some news, um, some interesting things, Like I said, from the Supreme Court, um, some new guns and some other other stuff going on. Um, But before we get into the news, we got to talk about our sponsors. The first one, I'll let you talk about it, Rob. It's Barrel Block. I know you are familiar with the product. uh, Yeah,
1: Barrel Block, a great product to go along and use in your in your. I use it in my training classes a lot, but it also works out what, really well for doing dry fire at home. And what they do is lie light you go along with absolute certainty to show that the, barrel, uh, that the barrel cannot fire a live projectile. And because of the way it's made, you have a barrel block and you also have a magazine block. And the combination between them allows you to go along and do dry fire very efficiently. We normally know that when you have a magazine in your firearm and it's empty that the slide locks back that's what the uh, slide lock or the uh going along and having the uh, barrel block in there being absolutely safe and in my opinion anybody who does dry fire should really go along and have a barrel block to make sure that they're not that their gun is unloaded and that they can uh, go along and safely dry fire it at home in the classroom or on the range yeah absolutely and uh you can head over to uh, the website is
0: www.blocksafety. That's b l o k Or if you type in barrel block with a k, not a ck, uh, it'll also get you there. And our second sponsor is the Range Tech Bluetooth Shot Timer. I know I have one. Uh, Rob, I know you have one as well. No. Um, one of the f- I've got two. He's got two. <laughs> All right. Well, it's one of the first uh, shot timers out there that was Bluetooth that you pair to your phone. Um, there's a couple, you know, that came out, uh, recently, but this was the first one. It pairs to your phone. Like I said, you can control it all by your phone, uh, save string of fire. You can take pictures and attach it to different strings of fire, all the controls, uh, setting part times, all that stuff is done on your phone. It's a fantastic, um, uh, option. Uh, you know, I have, uh, the club timer, and I love it, but one of the problems is changing modes, going in, and setting par times, and, and and stuff like that. It's it's just very, it, it, it's not user intuitive, right? So, um, using your phone, you can set, you know, ready commands and all kinds of stuff. It's really cool, um, and it's you're not buying something that's made in China, and it's affordable. It's you know I'd say 60% um, the cost of some of the other shot timers out there um, it's it, it's I would highly check recommend checking it out uh, if you head over to rangetech timer.com uh, that's rangetechtimer.com timercom and uh, yeah check it out it's gonna be in your budget if you're looking for a shot timer it's a great one to go go with
1: now one thing I like that up I- that I bring the perspective from an instructor standpoint to this is the RangeTech Bluetooth timer it allows me to go along and have the person wear the uh, Bluetooth timer on their belt so it's right by them. I don't have to be right behind them and holding it up to the ears so they can hear it through a hearing protection. But And I can control the the timer remotely with my uh, smartphone through the through the application. And that gives me the ability to go along and do it remotely and safely and be able to Observe what that student's doing on the range to give them the best uh, advice I can. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. So, all right. So I think
0: we're going to get into it right now because this is what's been on all the news and, and people's, you know, Facebook feeds and all this. Um, the new, the, the the ruling that just came out, uh, Supreme Court ruling in the case of New York State Rifle uh, Pistol Association. Uh, versus Bruin. And this dealt with um, New York's restrictive shall issue um, ruling for or law pertaining to um, their concealed carry permit. So if you're not familiar, we'll just cover it really briefly. Um, you know, some states are shall issue and some sh- states are may issue. Um, shall issue states, you know, you, you, you're not prohibited legally from possessing a firearm. You go through whatever requirements they have, be it uh, training, uh, paying your money, whatever those fees might be. Uh, if you're not prohibited and you check all the wickets, then you are issued a license. In, in um, seven states, New York's one of them, um, they have a May issue um, type situation going on where you pass all that stuff, you do everything, you jump through the hoops, and then at the end, you sit down and you have to give them just cause or some reason why you deserve the right to be able to defend yourself in public with the firearm. And, um, you know, this is, this was the question is, you know, we had the Heller decision, um, which basically was focused on inside the home, uh, the right, the individual right to, to have a firearm for protection inside the home, but it didn't address outside the home. So this kind of left that area for the States to kind of um, put a hold, you know, and, and chill the second amendment for a lot of folks. And so, Um, The challenge was there and said, why should we not be able to uh, why do we need permission or some reason um, to to go through and and carry a firearm for self-defense outside my home? It's 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 ridiculous. So um, I'll 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 kick this over to you. I just want to cite one part of the ruling and in the show notes, you'll have a link and you can go and see the actual um, decision, read it for yourself. I highly recommend you do it. There's links in there. Um, but I'm just going to read one, one part of it because I think it, it really sums up, um, what we're, what we're talking about. So, um, it says here that the constitutional constitutional right to bear arms in public for sef- self-defense is not a second class right subject to an entirely different body of rules than the other bill of rights guarantees. Um, We know of no other constitutional right that is that an individual may exercise only after demonstrating to government officers some special need. This is not how the First Amendment works when it comes to unpopular speech or the free exercise of religion. It's not how the Sixth Amendment works when it comes to a defendant's right to confront the witness against him, and it's not how the Second Amendment works when it comes to public carry for self-defense new york's proper cause requirement violates the 14th amendment in that it prevents law abiding citizens with ordinary self-defense needs from exercising their right to keep and bear arms we therefore reverse the judgment of the court of appeals and remand the case for further proceedings consistent with this opinion it is so ordered boom
1: so what do you think what do you think rob it's great um because here's here's uh, uh The statement I picked up from Justice Samuel Alito, he said, today, unfortunately, many Americans have good reason to fear that they will be victimized if they are not unable to protect themselves. And today, no less than in 1791, the Second Amendment guarantees their right to do so. And I think what really need to take away from this is this is not arming criminals. This is not making um, guns more accessible to kids or any other restricted groups there. This is allowing Honest, law-abiding citizens to be able to go along, defend themselves without the re- without going along, going to the to the, a government official and having that need to go along and justify to them. Because what's justification? That I'm afraid, you know, of a uh, of a my domestic abuser. Am I afraid of you know the gangs in my neighborhood? Am, am I afraid that I'm driving around in my you know three hundred thousand uh, dollar Bentley? And I might be a target because I bet you in those three examples, you could probably tell who got <clears throat> who got licenses in New Yorks, uh, New York, and who didn't get it. And but the ones that are the single moms in the lower income areas, the families that are in uh, you know an un, unsavory part of town, or somebody who works late at night, those people probably deserve it a lot more. Than the person who's driving a three hundred thousand dollar Bentley, because the three hundred thousand dollar Bentley person also has the ability to hire his own security. Yeah, and, and so, you know
0: we we've seen uh, in different cities that have um, uh, you know may issue where where there's basically a gatekeeper, right? Uh, they that get you know you have to tell them, hey, I'd, I'd like this because I you know I carry a lot of cash or or, or whatnot, and they they denying um, them denying. Uh, average joes and prioritizing um, you know connected officials right Mm -hmm. whether that be politicians or celebrities or wealthy people um, and those people getting concealed carry permits sooner and and without without any sort of jumping through hoops right and and this corruption has been exposed in several cities Um, and so it's not it's not the fact that like we don't trust the police to, to do a good job or anything. It's just that you have a system that is, is stripping away of somebody's right to self-defense and putting it in the hands of somebody who we, you know, is not an elected official, right? They're not elected. They're not accountable to us. And so, um, I think that, you know, it, it, it's just ripe for misuse and abuse. And, um, getting to the point where that you were making about, you know, who deserves the right, you know, what, what is the threshold? It's a, it's an arbitrary, it's a subjective threshold that that somebody sitting there says, well, you know um, now I, I don't, I don't think that that's, you know, you're at risk enough and and that's just not right. And, you know, this, this obviously came up during oral arguments um, and in, in the article um, that we wrote that I wrote this, this morning on concealed uh, it's called Let Freedom Ring, uh, SCOTUS, SCOTUS Affirms the Right uh, to Bear Arms Outside the Home. And during oral, oral arguments in the case, um, there was a, an exchange between the New York Solicitor General, who, uh, Barbara Underwood, who was arguing the case for New York, and Justice Samuel Alito. And Underwood even recognized um, through questioning that if an applicant stated and this is this is from uh, from the the exchange. If an applicant stated they leave work late at night and have to walk from a subway station through a high crime neighborhood to get home, that New York would deny that person's application because they did not cite a specific threat. Like, so just random crackheads, right? Stabbing and robbing and mugging people on the subway isn't enough. You have to say, yeah, I, you know, I have a Vic, I was a victim of a crime and that guy, you know, lives over here. Or I've restrained it, it. It's ridiculous. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And this shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. Um, you know, because I, I know that I, and, and I'm not going to, you know, make this a political discussion. Um, but we know that in general, you know the, the the Democrats are are more anti-gun, more gun control, and the Republicans, for the most part, we know that there are tons of Republicans right now, and we'll talk about it later. That are stabbing uh, us in the back, and and you know going to for uh, you know offer over our rights as a sacrificial um, atonement for for tragedies that happen, but. Um, you know, you know that these po- politicians that live and die on this gun control, uh, you know, agenda, that's that's their power play. Um, they are going berserk over this, thinking that this somehow allows, you know, willy nilly people to start carrying guns. And it's just not so. It's there. It's it's a misrepresentation. Um, everybody deserves the right to carry a firearm in self-defense. They They are especially if they've jumped through all the, the legal ramifications that the state has already said, right? Like if, if you go and get training, you've paid the, your your font, you, you know, your, your, uh, your fees, you've gotten fingerprinted, you're not a prohibited person. Why on earth should you not be able to carry a firearm unless you have a specific, you know, reason, um, that, that some guy sitting behind a desk is going to say no or yes. It's just, <laughs> it's ridiculous.
1: You you and I are kind of lucky in that we live in the state of Ohio. And -hmm. the state of Ohio, just like you stated, you go through the process. You have, you know, you've got a clean record. The state has to issue you a concealed carry license within 45 days. It's just the way, way the law is. When you go along and look at New York, New Jersey, Delaware, different states that go along and have these requirements of going along and saying, you have to prove to us that you need it. And then on top of it, you go along and you realize that they don't have any criteria to tell you exactly what proof is. I mean, do you have to have been attacked? Do you have to have a restraining order? Do you just have to, you know, what are all the criterias that you would have to be? And when you think about it in the terms of somebody who's low income, somebody who has limited means, it's, discriminating directly against them because how much time can you take off of work to go along and argue that you need to be able to protect your family in this crime in your crime-ridden neighborhood or because you're walking to the subway those those types of things um, and I it just makes my skin crawl when I see these requirements because I know just how lucky we are in Ohio to be able to go in get fingerprinted pay her money and they do a quick background check and pull well, we got our license and we don't have to go through these hoops that a lot of the other uh, the, these other states require from us. lawful citizens to go through.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, that kind of segues into like, so what practically does this mean? Right. Are the you know, is this going to make pretty much you know, I'm not a constitutional scholar, um, you know, from what I I, I can see. It seems like that it's pretty much killed um, may issue states. This, this, you know, criteria of this arbitrary criteria of issuing uh, permits based on a, you know, some uh, justified cause that you have to have to show some just cause. Um, and, you know, what now, how long that's going to take for these states to implement this and what the backlash is going to be, I think. If we're, you know, if we step back and look at it b- big picture wise, we know that there's going to be a counter to this. So New York and Hawaii and D.C. and all these places that that do these um, these may issue or or, or just cause um, permits, I think what we're going to see is them, because this didn't this ruling didn't say that. You know, they, they can't uh, uh, states can't require training or fees or anything like that. Right. And so I think that they're going to counter this is as, as drastically as they can by starting to limit where you can take firearms. So start prohibiting it in more areas or make it more because the whole the whole point of this is to hinder somebody's ability to get a concealed carry permit. Um, They just want to make it as difficult, as time consuming, the process as long as possible to dissuade people from actually doing it. Um, And so I think that they're going to move in other ways. They'll start taxing, you know, ammunition and doing these things. I just I we can't be naive enough to think that this is going to be, you know, going to change. It it will change the landscape, no doubt. But there is going to be a, a backlash.
1: Yep no you know. no doubt no doubt about that you know I said Ohio's got the 45 days that they have to issue your license or tell you why they couldn't issue it but I know like up in New York City and other places they take months in order to issue something you can you can imagine if you were somebody who lived in a neighborhood and you had a threat against you and somebody said okay yeah you can get this and probably somewhere in the next four to six months we'll get back to you um, you Supreme Court did. Uh, did not rule on the timeliness that's uh, required, and I could see things being slowed down and at the same time they could go along and require specific training or specific uh, specific things to make it more difficult for people to get
0: yeah and, and this is why it's so important to hammer politicians at the state level and hold them accountable and get involved in you know local Um, gun rights organizations that are actually fighting for rights, your gun rights and holding politicians accountable, whether they're a Democrat, Republican, you know, I think in Ohio, we have probably a harder battle in Ohio against Republicans than we do Democrats, right? Mm -hmm. Because we have a Republican majority. um, And but it's still an effort and, and, you know, through some organizations, Ohio gun owners is probably one of the, you know, the one that comes to my mind that's probably the most active here in Ohio, but um, of, of just hammering even Republicans that want to walk this line and and they want the Republican vote, they want to say they're pro-gun and look at my record of voting and blah, 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 and this and that. But when it comes down to it, they water down the bill, they, they, they sabotage bills. And it's the Republicans just as much as the Democrats. The Democrats are just more open about it. Um, but but, yeah, we we have to start holding these politicians accountable and saying, look, you know, y- you're going to get voted out and, and, and you're gone. And so these people that have, you know, that don't have another job and their whole job is politician. Um, they're ho- they're holding on a dear life, just trying to get elected. And so if we can if we can hold their feet to the fire. And and make them vote on bills, um, you know. That this the only way that this is gonna that this is gonna uh, change locally for for people in New York or Hawaii and things like that. Yeah, these federal, you know, this Supreme Court is huge. This this ruling is huge, um, but still, you have politicians that are now, you know, just just turning it on to counter this, and you you got to be ready. You got to be ready for this.
1: Yeah, we got, you got to be ready in Ohio. You know, I said before, we're lucky, but at the same time, it's not ever, we don't have everything we want um, for it. And that's where you've got to engage your politicians on a regular basis, let them know who you are, and let them know. Um, you know, a simple thing from like today is, you know, are they, you know, are they looking at the Second Amendment as a second class right? And if they can't answer that, uh, honestly and easily, then, um, you know, maybe you should be looking for other politicians. And we'll have elections coming up this uh, this fall. And, you know, think about asking politicians about where they stand on, on different issues. Because if they're trying to push where you can carry what, what you can and can't, and taxes and all those other kind of things, then they're probably uh, not the right candidate for you.
0: Yep, because what happens, you know, in one state, it, it, it's not it doesn't go unnoticed in other states. Right. This is what we've seen with the constitutional carrier. We see other laws jumping other states jumping on board and it can just as easily go the other way. And, and that's what we got to fight against. Um, there's there's one other quote that I'll, I'll you know, uh, I'll put out there and then I'll, I'll let you wrap it up uh, about this this uh, Supreme Court ruling rob but um this is from justice thomas and this is again from the opinion uh that he wrote and it says the district of columbia v heller and mcdonald v chicago and those are two you know uh big gun you know uh, cases that set um precedent for for uh how um gun rights uh, the cases were looked upon but uh It says, we recognize that the Second and Fourteenth Amendments protect the right of an ordinary law-abiding citizen to possess a handgun in the home for self-defense. And that's what we were talking about before. But it just, you know, it was just kind of narrowly, uh, the scope was narrowly focused on inside the home for self-defense. But in this case, petitioners and respondents agree that ordinary law-abiding citizens have a similar right to carry handguns publicly for their self-defense. We, too, agree and now hold consistent with Heller and McDonald that the Second and Fourteenth Amendments protect an individual's right to carry a handgun for self-defense outside the home, period. So that that is a, a huge statement, right? Like it, the Second and Fourteenth Amendments protect an individual's right, your right, my right. You know, if you're listening to this, you're, you're not a prohibited person it protects your individual right to carry a handgun for self-defense outside the home. Um, And so in this ruling, no longer can they uh, uh, put these, um, you know, weights and and, and measure means tests to your rights. They can't test it. They can't say you need to, you know, check a box to, to exercise this right. Um, it can't be some something arbitrary. Yes, you know, they, they can um, set criteria for issuing a, a permit, but um, that is a huge, a huge um, statement from from Justice Thomas in the court. And I, I just think that this is going to uh, going to affect other cases, gun cases and, uh, coming up. And I know that there are already some that are in the works that they're waiting for this ruling to come out. And I think we're going to see a lot of movement now.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think to kind of wrap things up, this is a star-spangled day for two A rights, but it's not the end. As you said, there are going to be some end runs around this to try to put restrictions on it, and there's other uh, restrictions that we'd like to see lifted, also. You know, from a two A standpoint, and for those people that are listening, you know, get you know get active with a two A. A Pro 2A organization, get active on the federal, on local level, and reach out to your politicians, let them know where your thoughts are, because that's where, they're, that's where things really happen. It happens, there's more change on local and state level than there is in federal level. This uh, Bruin case has been 10 years in the making but how much stuff has gone along locally that has changed during that time frame? Think about that for yourself. So if you were really want to make a uh, impact, don't think about, okay, the next Supreme court case is going to be this. Think about how can I influence my local legislators to vote the way, the way I want them to. Mm-hmm.
0: Right on, man. All right. So hopefully that carry that, that positive note carries us through because we're going to have a, a kind of a downer at the end, but, We'll get through it. Um, <laughs> all right. We're going to go and talk about a uh, new pistol from Walther. Uh, it's called the WMP. It's the Walther Magnum pistol, chambered in 22 Magnum. Did you get a chance to check this out, Rob? Absolutely.
1: It, it's a pretty cool pistol, I do have to say. And a lot of times, uh, you know, people go along and they say, eh, you know, it's a 22 pistol. And, you 22 know, long rifles, not that powerful uh you know unless you're going out hunting squirrels but a 22 magnum puts things into a completely different category from a caliber yeah. perspective and that's where walther with their um you know P- p20 uh, tw- or their wmp model uh compared to the p22 model it's it's a it's kind of a game changer because the 22 magnum it's uh it can it can do some serious uh damage to whatever you're shooting it at
0: yeah and, and you know it there's other if you guys follow you know your, your gun aficionados, and this has kind of been a trend, right? Like uh, a lot of the Beretta, Glock, Sig, they're all releasing uh, 22 caliber pistols, but most of the, most of those were 22 long rifle, and this is a, a 22 magnum, um, and it you know there's some unique things. Uh, it's a little bit bigger than the P22. There's some some other you know unique things. This has, um, if you're familiar with Walther, um, they some of their guns have a paddle magazine release where it's uh, you know on the uh, trigger guard and you press down um, and it's like a paddle and it, it releases the magazine. Well, this has a paddle and a button, and um, so that's kind of unique. Um, some other kind of little unique things. It's it's um, red. It's optic ready. So that's a a nice feature. Uh, it uses a mounting plate. Um, and so, yeah, other than that, I mean, it's a Walther, so it's going to have, you know, the, the ergonomics of a Walther. It looks very similar to, um, to some of their other pistols, a little different than the P22. It doesn't have a magazine disconnect like the P22. That's, that's a super annoying thing. Um, but, yeah, so if if that's something you like, you're recoil sensitive, you have trouble racking a slide, or something like that, um, this may be an option for you. Like I said, it's a little bit bigger than probably what most people um, typically carry concealed, but it's not too big at, at all um, for concealed carry. But might be an option or at least something to to check out. So that's the W, the Walther WMP. Um, and the next one we have we have uh, FN uh, released the 57N MRD. It's an optics ready pistol. Um, it's using the new um, uh, five five seven by twenty eight NATO uh, round. So um, I don't know. Did you get a chance to to check this out, Rob? At all? A,
1: a little bit. Not as not as much as Supreme Court uh, case, but a, a little <laughs> bit. Um, no. You know the five seven round is uh, you know a heck of a performing round. I mean it gets it it screams out of the barrel, and to see a, a CFN uh, take this on, and you know it with with a uh, optics ready pistol and such really kind of lets you know where things go. And for those that are kind of wondering, five sevens right around the same uh, diameter as a twenty two caliber. Uh, mm-hmm. So you're looking at again a pistol that is shooting a much faster round than a 22 long rifle um that you can carry in a defensive package you know people kind of um
0: complain about right for with certain uh certain firearms and stuff so uh this is also going to be you know optic ready as i think every single pistol right now should be um any any pistol released right now should be optics ready right from the factory um but yeah, I think that this is going to be an interesting, um, interesting, you know, pistol. It's the capacity on this guy is twenty rounds, guys. So, um, you know, you, you're talking about a small caliber round traveling very fast. Um, and I think, you know, it, this is not going to be my pistol. I'm telling you, not because of performance wise or anything, but the MSRP uh, MSRP is like <laughs> fifteen hundred bucks. So I can tell you. Unless, you know, someone wants to give this to me, this is not going to make it into my, you know, safe. But, um, well, cool, the, a- cool. the
1: ammo is expensive too. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. So that's an, that's an issue but but. For, th-
1: for those that want, you know, something modern, um, you know, leading edge type of thing. Uh, the five, seven round is definitely one of those. That's, uh, uh, very, in- very interesting, light recoil to it. And you can get a good size pistol in that round and it can, it it is a good defensive round too. I mean,
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, All right. So let's shift a little bit back to kind of um, the gun rights or uh, this kind of debate thing. Obviously we had that tragedy in uh, Uvalde and other, you know, tragic shootings. And from that, obviously, you know, there's a huge push, um in discussion about what to do to harden schools do you you know uh, what what should we be doing should we be putting up fences should we have security uh, all all these different things and, and some of the conversations are good and some of them are just hijacked by by complete lunatics but um one thing that i think it, it, it infuriated me <laughs> and so I, I i wrote an article um, the other day Um, It's called Opposing armed Teachers Shows It's Not About Safety. And this is on concealedcarry.com. And the reason why it kind of infuriated me is is that I I constantly hear, um, you know, whenever somebody says, hey, let's let's arm teachers. Let's give teachers the right or the ability to to carry a firearm on campus um, to defend themselves and the children. Right. Um, And. It's it's without fail. There's there's three basic arguments that that, you know, oppose uh, arming teachers and they're all I I can understand. Right. Uh, I I can understand somebody saying something out of ignorance and just not knowing. But some of them are just they're too dumb to be out of ignorance. And um, one of them is the argument when, when somebody says, Hey, um, I think we should, we should consider arming teachers and somebody will say, well, teachers aren't paid enough to worry about defending, you know, kids. So, you know, um, we don't pay teachers enough and, and that's not their job. And, and, and I, I, I got this because the national education association, the teachers union, the president, Nancy Pringle, No related, no relation to the chip, (laughs) right? Um, She said this, and this is just this, this is, if you want to tear out your hair, you know, listen to this. Okay. So she says, and this is the, the, the president of the teachers union, probably one of the most corrupt unions in the whole country. I'm I'm sorry. Um, She said, educators and parents overwhelmingly reject the idea of arming school staff. Well, that's not true rather than arming educators with guns we need to be giving them the tools needed to inspire their students rather than putting the responsibility of individual teachers on individual teachers our elected leaders need to pass laws and protect children from gun violence and bring an end to senseless preventable killings so you don't want to you have too much on your plate to worry about protecting yourself or other 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 kids what you really need are tools that inspire Mm-hmm. I, I just think it's, it's it's insane. I can't I can't imagine saying something like that dumb in public. So yeah. I'm I'm going to hand this over to you, and so you could kind of give your opinion on on this debate about arming teachers.
1: Um, well, yeah, as you can tell from the video, I've pulled out my hair for more than one of these kind of topics. I'm kind of <laughs> short on hair right now. Um, I also got, uh, two sisters that are teachers and work, work in schools. So, you know, it kind of hits where somebody has stopped, just count off 20, every 20 seconds. There's another gunshot. And in Uvalde, I believe it, it probably is going to average out to be just about the same. When you go along and take an hour and how many times he shot it's, it might even mean slower than that, but it's one of those situations to where going along, responding faster, Whatever the uh, the method is, is the only way of stopping the lunatics. Now, people, I hear people say, "Hey, you know, I became a teacher. I didn't want to become an armed guard, and that's great. You know, they don't need need to go along and carry." But what do you tell that teacher, that janitor, that administrator that says, "You know, I would be willing to do anything for my kids," and you know, do you go along and say, "Well"? sorry, you can't do anything until, you know, until the police arrive. And you just have to sit there and inspire that shooter not to shoot people because we know, what, we know how that's going to end. And that's where we need to go along and realize that the only way to stop the needless death is by having a quicker response. I've heard people go along and say, then teachers have to worry about where they're carrying and being around kids and everything else like that. Think about it from this way. How many hundreds and thousands and millions of people across the United States carry concealed every day? And they learn how to go along, and conceal it. They learn how to go along, and control it when they're in Walmart, when they're in church, when they're at the grocery store, when they're just walking down the street and you see them and have a conversation. If people can learn how to do it there, they can do it, they can do it in a school situation, the people that want to. And here's uh, one other thing that I'll take away and give a plug for uh, Faster Saves Lives. They not only uh, have the program that teaches you how to go along and effectively uh, shoot a firearm, but they actually go along and teach you how to go along and deal with the aftermath of it from the trauma perspective. Because if you can get there and stop the killer faster, and then there's a whole bunch of people that are shot that are around because it took you a minute or two minutes to get there, you need to know how to do some trauma medicine because here's one of the things that people don't talk about enough. We've got great police. We've got great paramedics are out there. But standard protocol is that your paramedics do not come in to an active scene until it's been made safe. That means that if there is a shooting, the police will come in. They might be five or 10 minutes before they can allow the paramedics in there. If you're in that classroom with yourself or students that are shot, you need to go along and have the skills available to go along and survive and, uh, that shooting and be alive when the paramedics come in there. And those are all skills that, okay, for the people that don't want to carry firearms, teach them uh, trauma first aid for the people that do want to go along and carry a firearm teach them how to conceal how to how to use it effectively so that they can be a first line of defense against it is going to stop every situation no but if we can take it from being 20 people next time to being only two people that would be even better because no matter what gun laws that might be passed one way or the other I think everybody in the United States can, can will admit that we will have guns around for the next hundred years easily, because even if they outlaw them tomorrow, no, you'd be a fool to think that the government's going to be able to take, get every single gun back within a year. Australia, New Zealand, all those places that have outlawed them like that still are finding guns, you know, ten years later, and those are just the situations uh, you know that we know about. So sorry for rambling on there, Matthew.
0: (laughs) No, no. I mean, that's perfect. I I needed, I need a chance to take, take a breath because this this just fires me up. Right. Like we, we have right now, there's 28 States. A lot of people don't know this right now. There's 28 States that provide some through either, you know, with, with some certain limitations or requirements, teachers to carry in school. Um, And, and, and so that's 28 States and, We don't have, you know, an epidemic or a pandemic of teachers shooting kids accidentally in class. We just don't. In in this article, I, I, you know, like I said, we'll have show notes and you can check this article out in the show notes. It's um, in the article that I wrote. I referenced um, the Giffords Law Center, which is which has a page dedicated to fighting against arming teachers in school. And what they do on this page is they list every single, and I say, I mean, every single gun incident related, get, gun related incident uh, that happened on a campus. It doesn't have to be a teacher
1: carrying. In they're, a school in, zone. In a school right, zone, they do. Right. Yeah. Which makes it even worse because that's a thousand feet around the school. Right. And so, no. So you have incidents on here
0: of, you know, a a child getting a hold or a a suspect getting a hold of a a deputy's gun in a fight on a campus. And they use that as justification or one of the, you know, check marks against. Well, if we have, you know, we have incidents of gun violence on campus, it's ridiculous. Like and and not one of them resulted in anybody's death not one and, and and i'm talking about like hundreds of incidents they and giffords wouldn't have missed somebody getting shot on a on a campus by a teacher and killed right like they wouldn't have missed that so th- we have to look at the big picture and say like Yeah, if if teachers overwhelmingly in these 28 states were leaving guns all over and kids were getting shot left and right, of course, I wouldn't be advocating that. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about giving teachers who want the right or want the ability to carry on campus the ability to. And if you want to set some, you know, criteria. X amount of hours, as long as it's not ridiculous. Right. Um, I think one, one of the things it was like 490 hours of training is like more than more than, you know, police officers. And, and so as long as it's reasonable and, and you know, you, and here here's one thing um, we need as a I don't I don't want, I hate using the word as a community because I don't even know what that means. But like it, it, gun organizations, there are less, you know, that might listen to this. Um, instead of you know, I, I have no problem if you want to give you know billions of rounds over to Ukraine. That's awesome, but why don't we you know pull together and and, and donate safes to st- safe storage op- options to schools that want teachers to be armed? Why you know why don't we do that? Why don't we push for those types of things and free training for teachers and things like that? Why why don't we do that? And I think that. It, overall, we would see a more positive result from that than. And I'm maybe you can do both, right? But I'm just saying, like, if if we focus some of those resources and some of those ideas of outreach and helping people, instead of just giving out locks, you know, cable locks that are going to end up in the trash, let's be honest. Um, why don't we? Why don't we try to come together and do something like that for
1: schools? Um, Matthew, and, and think get, about think think about this in Uvalde. If that if that person went went into the door that you know was broken, the lock didn't work, whatever, and made it to those two classrooms and started shooting, and one of those two teachers would would have been armed, he would have he wouldn't be able to get a whole lot, and it wouldn't it would negate it the whole issue that happens with like the police response because Mm -hmm. police have a hard job to do, and it and it's demonstrated I think at Uvalde. Because they've yeah. got a way of the personal safety the officers with the personal safety of the victims, trying to figure out, you know what they don't want to escalate the situation. And they also don't want to go along get somebody need, needlessly killed. And that's mm-hmm. where when we're sitting back, you know, four weeks later after something happens, it makes it really easy to know all the facts and, and second guess them. For mm-hmm. it. but it also goes along and underscores that when you have a dynamic critical incident like they had there it's confusing nobody knows for sure what's going on in the heat of the moment except for the people that were inside that room and that could be one of those situations where if one of those teachers were, would have been able to um, respond would have been and think about it just heard on the news last night one of those teachers was actually a, uh, a one of the police deputies wife so she would have been very familiar with a gun very competent um, with it uh, just from being around and could have been taught you know things if she would have been able to, how much differently we would have been taught. Uvalde would have been, you know, one person shot and and the shooter would have been neutralized type of thing instead of what we're hearing in the news now.
0: Yeah, and and here's the thing. Like, I'm not not anti-cop at all. I was a police officer. I, I understand the job, right? Like, I understand the difficulty of it, but I also understand the reality of it is that cops, and especially now, um, and this is not to let any any officer. I wasn't there. I I, I don't know all the facts. Right, it's, things are coming out that aren't very favorable. Um, it underscores the the purpose of what we're talking about when we started with the, the the Supreme Court ruling is that the police that you are responsible for your own safety. Uh, you have to be your own first responder. You have to be, and you can't allow the government to take away that right because now you rely on the police, and you don't know what response you're going to get from them. You don't know who's going to come. And and I love police officers. I do. Um, the, the, you know, by and large, they do an awesome job, and they sacrifice a lot. But especially in this in this you know uh, time right now, it the reality is is a, an officer is going to err on the side of. It, it came out that you know one of the officers might have had a chance to or maybe two of them to engage this shooter um uh, with with the, with the with their uh with the rifle right they had the opportunity they didn't because of fear of hitting a child and i get it like that but here's the thing like officers are scared to make bad decisions and they're they're they they'd rather Air and not act and not respond, not intervene, then intervene and make the bad decision, and you only know what the outcome is going to be at the end, right? And so these officers might have, you know, said, "Hey, I, I don't want to take the shot," but that's this is why we have to be, even as concealed carriers, we have to know our ability, we have to be confident in our ability, and know what we can do. And it's not just good enough to say, "Well, in a, in a self-defense shooting, it's only going to be three yards, three seconds, three shots," because yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's the scenario that plays out in your mind. But especially, you know, as officers, you have to have skills, you have to have marksmanship skills. And as concealed carriers, not saying you're going to get involved in in, in every incident, and you probably shouldn't. But if you were outside this building at that time, and you see a kid shooting, you know, a a rifle into a school, and running around, and, and you're, you know, 15 yards away from this kid, and you have a firearm, can you make that shot? And, 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 and are you confident? Do you know your abilities? And that's why I think training is so important. It's so important. And while we push huge, uh, huge push for constitutional carry, permitless carry, um, no requirements on training by the state to carry a firearm, we know that the responsibility is, is huge. And, you know, we need training. We absolutely need training.
1: Yeah, and to that point, Matthew, I'll do, I'm going to do a shameless plug. I'm doing a Guardian Essentials and Guardian Standard class next month, um, July 23rd and 24th in Bright, Indiana. If anybody wants to uh, check that out, go to ohio.consilcarry.com because some of those skills that you just talked about will be skills that we will be uh, learning uh, about, you know, knowing your distance, knowing what you can do and can't do because we'll do them up close. You know, three three shots, three seconds uh, type of drills, and we're also going to get back to that fifteen yard mark to say, okay, what can you do, and how fast can you shoot in those kind of situations? And uh, people normally see some remarkable um, improvements when they when they come to the class because they're they're being instructed properly for it, and they minimize their movement and become quicker. And at the same time, that it's a real eye opener because one of the hallmarks of the class, I think, is at the end of each day, we go along and do a little force on force. And if you've never done force on force, it really it really goes along, forces your brain to go along and look and see what's happening, understand what you can do, understand what what you know, and then making a very quick decision for it. And those are all things, as much as uh, I like going long and exercising my trigger finger, I also exercise my brain to make sure that I've got um, the ability to go along and make those uh, quick decisions because I don't want to go along and make a, a bad decision and then live with it for the rest of my life. And okay. I'm sure nobody else does. So if you're in the Indiana, um, southeastern Indiana, southwestern Ohio area, and want to check out a uh, class, uh, come over and we'd love to have you. Yeah, you can check it out at
0: uh, wwwohio.concealcarry.com and, and uh, navigate over to the class schedule and you'll see the guardian essentials pistol. Um, and it's a two day class. You can sign up individually for individual days or the two days. Um, but yeah, I, I, it'll be a fantastic class. And I know Rob and I have taught in the past and and it's been a lot of fun. Um, if you're a guardian nation member, um, I believe you get a discount on the class.
1: They get a discount. And I also posted a video, one of our a review video from our uh, 2019 class. So if you want to see what it's about and hear it firsthand, you can see the participants from the 2019 class talk about it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So get some training, guys. And, and um, you know, and if you're a teacher and, and you, you're you in a state that you know allows you to carry, come on out, man, um, or ladies too. Right. Um, but. Yeah. Come on out. It'd be it'd be an awesome, awesome time and uh, skills that are super valuable for every concealed carrier.
1: Yeah. Um, Something else I wanted to uh, bring up, too, is uh, in Ohio, where we are, uh, last week we had the governor sign the bill allowing school uh, personnel to carry inside of a school. So Mm -hmm. Ohio will be joining those uh, 28 states. To allow school personnel that have received training and have been authorized by the school board to go a- go ahead and uh, carry in school, which um, you know hopefully will never be necessary, but at the same time it will uh, be good to go along and have uh, school personnel that are willing to go along and stop um, a criminal doing a criminal act. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: All right. So we got
1: two quick.
0: Uh, Two more stories we're going to cover quickly and uh and then we're going to wrap this up because we're getting uh we're getting close to an hour here guys and so um the first court the, the first uh story is uh, i'm going to switch it up a little rob and talk about this bipartisan senate control uh gun control bill um you need to you need to be aware of what's going on and how what's what's going on with uh guys like mitch mcconnell um it, it, and, and Republicans, and we will have a list. Um, I'm sure in this, in as soon as uh, they vote, uh, they voted it. I believe. Um, I think the Senate is going to vote tomorrow um, on this bill. But basically, it's going to expand. It's going to federalize. Uh, give. Let me let me let me phrase it this way. It's going to give states incentives, money incentives, to institute red flag laws that are going to. Um, are going to strip people of their second amendment right without justification and without representation in court. These ex parte hearings where they don't have representation and somebody makes a makes a claim. Um, it's, it's going to, uh, uh, it, it's, it's a bad, it's bad legislation. We have to fight this. It, th- this bipartisan bill, uh, expands the, the Nix system, uh, or Nix checks, um, The the, um, when you go to buy a firearm and the FFL runs your 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 um, information, it's going to expand that. And for people that are 18 to 20, um, it is going to look into the juvenile records and pull stuff that should be sealed and should not carry over into your adult life and prohibit you from from possessing firearms uh, potentially. Now, you know, the idea is that, well, if we can stop these these young shooters um, that seem to target schools, uh, maybe we can stop school shootings. Um, none of these school shooters, none of them would have been stopped by looking back into their criminal history, even juvenile history, um, even the kid who had some uh, that was doing some very disturbing things, right? Cutting up kids, uh, uh, cutting up animals and things like that um, and, and slicing himself and things like that. Um, very disturbing things, but he was checked out and was not, did not fit the criteria as somebody who is, um, who should have their second amendment rights stripped away from them because of some um, uh, mental uh, problems. So, the issue is, is they are using these tragedies to push massive gun control in and they're making it seem like it's not a big deal, that it's just, you know, it's a bipartisan thing and we're meeting in the middle. And this is not the middle, guys. And we need to be very, very aware of what's happening here. Um, I, I don't know. What what are you seeing uh, in this, Rob?
1: The red flag laws are a big concern uh, for me. Um, And I'll put this out there. I'm not against taking or uh, separating people from their firearms when they're having mental problems. And you can listen to my podcast, and I've had mental uh, health professionals on several times that think it's very important for the 2A community to go along and realize that there are mental health uh, resources out there to help us so that we don't lose our 2A uh, rights and such. And one of the biggest things that I don't like about the 2A or around the red flag laws, think about the situation to where a court order uh, goes along and says that I should, I should be going along and I should take Matthew's guns. I'm a police officer and I knock on Matthew's door. If Matthew's having a mental issue for whatever reason, you know, he's having family issues, financial issues, health issues, any of those type of things that would, that the court might go along and say, yes, you know, it's probably not a good time. What's going to happen when he sees me as a police officer come to the door and knock and say, hi, I'm here. I'm here with a court order to take your guns. That's not what, uh, you know, somebody would, would really want. What you need somebody at that point is you need mental health uh, professionals to intervene, family members to help out, um, do it. And that's where, uh, go along just the other week. I had, I I had, um, Sarah Albrecht on for "Hold my guns and she's, Trying to go along and make a network of FFLs across the country. That if I'm moving, if I am going through a divorce, if I'm going through some financial problems, if I know that I'm not in the right state of mind, that I can proactively go along and say, "Hey, here's a gun shop. I'm going to give them my guns. They're going to take them and hold them and and keep them secured and and you know just like they would their own property. And then when I feel better about it, I can get them back." which is a lot more responsible because all these red flag laws are real heavy on taking them as quickly as possible and extremely slow on giving them back. And those are the things when you go along and really think about it, it's like, wait a minute, they're taking personal property without, you know, without any warning. You also go along and if somebody charges you um, or says, hey, I don't think Matthew should go along and have guns for this reason, It's then the burdens on Matthew to go along and prove that he's not crazy. Think how hard that is to go along and do that unless you retain a lawyer, unless you go along, go through your own expense of getting a a psychologist, a a psych evaluation. And that goes right back into what we were saying with the Supreme Court ruling and things like that. If you're in a lower income, if you're in a situation where you don't have all the money in the world to spend on lawyers and and psychologists, it's going to... Unequivocally, going to go along uh, and impact uh, lower uh, income people because they'll get accused and they won't have any way of defending themselves when it when it comes to these because they don't they can't take off work they can't afford lawyer can't afford the psychologist and it's a just a bad way all around. We should be pushing more programs like Walk Talk America. Like uh, hold my guns to where people can proactively and the family members can go along proactively, help them get the help they need without going long, wrestling to the ground and and then stripping the guns out of them and then saying, oh, have have a good day because there's most red red flag laws. They take the guns and then leave the person there with their knives, with their cars, with uh, any number of different ways they could go along, commit suicide, too but we're not worried about that we're just worried about taking their guns and those are all the shortcomings to where figure out a way of helping people instead of just going along and furthering along your your anti-gun uh, agenda.
0: Yeah, 100% man. I couldn't agree more. Those organizations are huge um, and and that's what we need to be doing and and standing, you know, standing behind um, not these red flag laws and, and 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 one last thing on the red flag laws you can only seize the guns that you know about and if you come to my house and you don't know what i have registered because there's not a you know universal registration of my guns when you come to my house and you say we want your guns i'm going to say okay go get them and if you find them all great if you don't you're not going to know if you have them all anyways unless there's a universal registration and this is all why these laws will not work until they implement universal registration so they get these on the books and then say well they're ineffective we need to do something to make them more effective and what is that universal registration and that's when it you know it falls apart so not to belabor the point but uh this stuff is bad and we'll find out more as as the days go by but uh keep an eye on that
1: hey matthew Um, just one quick uh plug for walk and talk america if you know somebody who's having a mental issue anxiety, um, depression, it doesn't matter. Walk talk America has a free and anonymous evaluation online and I love giving it a plug because it's free and you can take it. If you feel good, just see how you're doing. It's WTTA.org slash love. It's anonymous, it's free, and it gives you resources. If you, if you're having problems to where you can go along and get some help yeah. and, and the plug. Love it. Love it, man. All right. So final
0: story, I switched it up. So we wouldn't end on that. Um, there, there's a go, go to the show notes one more time for the plug for the show notes, go to the show notes, check out this, uh, this video. It's a, it's a, the article is uh, sheriff demonstrates that magazine size makes very little difference. And it's about a 15 minute video. Uh, the sheriff goes through, he's got a, a, a male and a female um, and they they go through and they shoot uh, pistols. They shoot an AR or they shoot a semi-automatic. Uh, they shoot with with um, two 15-round magazines. Then they do it with three 10-round magazines. Then they do it with five six-round magazines, and they take the times of these these two, the guy Jim and the in the lady Christy, all right. And then they do it with an AR. They do it with a revolver, and they do it with a 1911 with seven-round magazines. All right. And so um, what what they find through uh, across the board is that the difference between shooting two 15 round magazines and five six round magazines is about like two or three seconds. So it's not significant. It, and these are not like. If you watch them, the the dude shoots pretty well. the The lady, not so much. Um, I mean, she she's proficient. And she, but she's certainly not John Wick. And neither one of these guys are are probably you know like competitive shooters. They're they're your average probably police officer on the street. Um, but they're not significant times uh, between five six round magazines and two fifteen round magazines. And and the point is. Is that we're constantly here that like, oh, well, you know, these magazine limits, if, if there were 10 round magazines and it wouldn't be able to do so much damage. The, so th- this debunks it on that level. Plus they go through and, and they have uh, a runner uh, running behind behind the, the line. And as the person once the person goes to reload, they have that runner start running towards the shooter. Now th- they're behind the line. Right. They're not running in front of the line. Um, To see, they start out at 25 feet and see, well, if somebody makes a magazine change, is that an opportunity to rush the person and close the distance and disarm them? And what they find is, on average, the person's able to run nine feet uh, during that magazine reload. And so um, what what is showing is, yes, there is opportunity, right, if somebody is reloading, of course, um, but it's not the substantial lengths of time um, that, that you would think, or that the media wants you to think that there's 10, 15 seconds that people can, can rush the shooter and disarm them. Um, they shoot at uh, 20 rounds from a 1911 using seven round magazines. They do it in 9.78 seconds showing that even if you have seven round magazines, you can crank off a lot of rounds, right? So the magazine size really has no bearing on the number of rounds you can fire not substantially of course there's a difference but it's not substantial and they even go uh it, it, I, I found it pretty funny they do the the new york reload which is uh with with the revolver so they have a six shot revolver they have multiple revolvers in a bag six shot revolvers and let, so so let's say, you know, we're going to ban nine millimeter because it blows lungs out and semi-automatics because <laughs> they're weapons of war and nobody needs anything but revolvers. It was good in the, you know, in the wild west. So everybody's OK, great. Let's put so somebody goes and buy six, you know, six round revolvers, thirty eight special, throw it in a backpack. This dude pulls out and he cranks off six rounds, throws the gun down, grabs another one out of the bag. He shoots 30 rounds from These uh, revolvers in 18.8 seconds. So, actually, quicker than, you know, or or right about the same speed as somebody that's shooting three 10 round magazines. So, I I went through it quickly because, you know, we're getting low on time, but and and threw a a bunch of numbers. But watch the video because it's very eye opening and, and for, you know, it really debunks this idea that if we just ban, you know, high capacity magazines over, you know, whatever X number of rounds you want to fill in the, the, you know, the, 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 uh, the number there um, then it'll be substantially different. That is not the factor. The factor is getting somebody on, you know, you know uh, getting hits on this guy to stop him quickly rather than worrying about disarming them in between magazine changes, or they have six rounds instead of five rounds. It's, 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 we're focusing on the wrong stuff, guys, and that's why these these laws are doomed. They're bound to fail, and and it's not about public safety. It just
1: isn't. Well, one thing you skipped over uh, there, Matthew, when you watch the videos, is 1911 that he was using was 110 years old. This was <laughs> not, you know, some super duper, you know, whiz bang. You know, I mean, it wasn't a gun that was just just invented a couple weeks ago. Right. This was, you know, a gun that's been around for a long time. Revolvers have been around, you know, 120, 130 years type, you know, the double action revolvers. And it just goes along and shows you that the issue is the person with the gun, not the gun itself. So you can do whatever you want, you know, when it comes to gun laws. It's not going to make a bit of difference when it comes to the person who's holding that gun and what they will will do with it. Um, and when you go along and you look at magazine capacities are, you know, the thing I always pops in my mind is are the first 10 rounds, you know, practice rounds. So, you know, they don't hurt as much as if, then if you had, you know, 30 rounds, because it makes it almost sound as if, well, you know, you can shoot 10 people, but then they got to change the magazine. So, you know, the first 10, we don't care about, and then we reload it again. Well, it doesn't matter where you've got, you know, 10, 20, 30, in fact, I would rather see somebody come up with one of one of those, you know, 50 100 round magazines because for one, the weight of all that ammunition loaded into it makes it extremely unwieldy. The other thing is most of those yeah. have a real hard time of not jamming. So guess what? You you have a 50 round magazine compared to my, you know, 17 round uh magazine, guess what? I probably will make make better use of mine than you will because every other shot it'll be jamming on you. Just one one of those things for people to think about, you know yeah absolutely
0: man so all right guys well we didn't end on the a total downer check out that video i think it'll be entertaining for you if if nothing else um but i want to give one more shout out to our sponsors of the podcast um barrel block um if, if you do dry fire consider getting a barrel block for i think they're like 10 bucks or something maybe 15 bucks or something like that um it, it's better to be make your gun completely inert and remove any possibility of getting any live ammunition in there. Um, so head over to, uh, block safety, B L O K safety.com and the range tech Bluetooth shot timer, an affordable Bluetooth timer, easy to, to, uh, control the settings on your phone and all that stuff. Save your strings of fire, your times, all that, uh, and do it all, uh, Bluetooth, It's an awesome option made in the United States, so uh, check that out. That's uh, rangetechtimer.com. And, uh, yeah, anything you want to close up with, uh, Rob?
1: If anybody's in southeastern Indiana on next Tuesday, June 28th, I'm doing a constitutional carry overview um, for people that might be thinking about it because constitutional carry, permitless carries are right. It's still your responsibility to understand the laws.
0: Amen. It's right on, man. So check that out. And where can they sign up?
1: They can find more information out at, uh, unfortunately, facebook.com, uh, for it. <laughs> <laughs> with I'm doing it in conjunction with the, uh, women armed and ready down in Aurora, okay. Indiana. So if you look okay. at that on uh, Facebook, you'll find the, all the information and where we're having it at. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Rob. Thanks uh, so much for, uh, doing this with me today.
0: Um, and thanks you guys for listening. I know you miss Riley. Hopefully we, uh, we did it justice and you guys enjoyed the show. Um, remember keep, keep your eyes on those, uh, those issues, those legal issues that are, uh, coming down the pipe. All right. So with that, we bid you farewell till next time. And a reminder to train, right, train often and train safe. So you can fight hard, fight fast and fight true. Take care.